That's not just a song. That's a reality. That's the little pull you get when you hear the word, when you hear a message, when you feel a need to pray. It's a reality. There's, a, there's another part of you that's somewhere. Aren't you glad that's real? This is not just a higher state of learning. I believe we've taken some steps this last year. I believe we're going to take some more steps. Amen. Good to be here this morning. I'll let you have your seats for a moment. I want to greet you all this morning. I see we have a few visitors with us. We have the, the Wilsons filling in on the mu musical uh, part here. And, uh, and we have um, the, some of the Dodds from Grand Prairie here, Brother Stephen, Sister Lisa, and their family. And we have a number of other visitors. I saw some of you coming in this morning, some I didn't know, but God bless you all. May you be welcome this morning in our midst. I want to bring greetings also. We come to the year end and communicate with different brethren, but Brother Jonah Emke said to send greetings. Also, Brother Kelly Hildebrandt passed his greetings on, and um, different brothers from overseas. Brother Jack Wallach from Poland. Lord willing, he'll be with us a little later this year. Different brothers in Africa. Brother John Nyambi from Nigeria. Brother Samuel Taylor made sure, I said to say hello, to greet all of you, and different brothers from Uganda and Malawi, but happy to be part of the body of Christ, and uh, we're, we're happy, happy to be here together. Many are, some are away, not many are away, some are away, our, the ranks of our young people are depleted a little bit. There's some that are in Michigan and Ohio area for a camp, and may God bless them, God bless the meetings that are there. There's others that are in Ireland and in Belgium, and they're supporting Brother Max in Ireland, and then they're going to all have a youth camp this following week in, in Belgium. So we pray God bless them, and God be with them, and, and we're happy for, for them that they had a chance. While we were praying for different needs just over the last days, and there's many needs that we have, and communicating with, with some of the different brethren, it was really nice to... About midnight last night, I got a, that little photo of the little baby Ezekiel, and I was really happy. So thank God that, you know, there's, there's always good news, no matter where it is. And, and you know what? It's all really good. You know, it, it may be sorrowful for a time, but God's working it for good. And I, I believe he is, and as our brother Moses spoke just before, at Christmas, your sorrow shall be turned to joy. And I believe that we, we may endure things, but I believe it's not for, forever. It'll pass. And, and I thank God that there's that promise. And I, I've been praying that way, not with dread as we come up to the next year. But Lord, let this be the year. Let, let this be when we see and take steps and have joy in our heart for what you're doing. And I believe that's, that's on the threshold. So... We're happy for Brother David and Sister Rebecca. We're happy for his, their grandpa and uh, grandma, and, uh, and good for them. And um, also wanted to say that uh, this evening we've got the fellowship tonight at the hall, at the Jasper, West Jasper Place Hall. Um, if it's all right, we'd like to just start that a little bit earlier. It takes a little time to get the food prep to get it all ready, to get it all prepared. 
So we can start gathering at 5 p.m. Maybe we'll eat like half an hour earlier, but if you can do that, if it doesn't put you out and you can do that, that'll be at 5 p.m. Maybe just get started a little earlier. And then also um, the address originally maybe posted wasn't correct, but it is, it's correct on the, on the website now, 9620 152nd Street. So we're looking forward to just have a nice time of fellowship together and uh, do that tonight. Also, just um, uh, this morning, we, we took a few days off, so this morning I've got Brother um, Andrew is going to minister for us. I've had some thoughts. I've been preparing for services in January, and I'm going to just hold those till we come into the January time frame. But I do want to share this scripture, and I'm just looking ahead to 2024, and um, we never thought 2000 would be here, some of us that have been around a while. And there's a lot of 20-year-olds that are really happy right now that we did have 2,000 and, and better, right? Um, but we are happy that we're here. We believe we're here in the will of the Lord. And um, a lot of people are looking to the new year with maybe fear or the, it's the unknown, it's dread, it's, it's what's ahead, who knows. Well, as far as the world goes, it, it's not getting better, it's going to get worse. And, but you know what? We have not... God has not left us without a more sure word of prophecy. The things that are coming, they've been prophesied. We can see them passing. I think this last year was amazing to see the things that were happening, what happened in Israel and is still happening, what is happening in, in, in the world. I believe we, we, can, we can look at those things, but we also need to see that we have a part in the middle of all of it. And that we can, we, can, uh, we can rest on what God has given us. This is from a little message in this scripture came to me. Psalms 32. I want to read just a couple of verses. Verse 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. We, we've enjoyed the weather and uh, that we've had over this Christmas season. I, I get these little photos one year ago, and I look and I go, whoa. <laughs> and, and we've gotten comfortable with the weather. But you know what? Then, then there's this dread. What, wonder what price we're going to pay for that. Well, the earth is groaning, but I thank God that we have a God who's in control and that whatever it would be, the part that the earth is going, God knows we're in the earth. And he's going to take care of us. He knows about the economy. He knows about the pressures. But he promised he would take care of us. And I believe he will take care of us. So he says, verse 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. We depend on him. We, we believe that. We depend on his grace, but we also believe he's going to lead us. And, and he, he is leading us. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. The prophet is the eye of God. He's got the, the window that we can look through. And I believe that God has, is going to 
lead us as we go forward. Let's stand together and invite Brother Andrew to come. I'd like to sing this morning, The Battle is the Lord's. It's If you've got something ahead of you that, I, if I can just say it this way, we have things ahead of us that we're not going to be able to control. Actually, we can't even grasp them, much less control them. There are forces in the world that are way beyond. But in the middle of this, there's a God who's in control, and there's a little bride that he's watching over. And we need to see that. We're not defenseless, and we have a source. We have a God who is with us. So let's, let's trust in him. We're going to invite our brother to come and minister to us this morning. There is a source in time of need that gives me into that song we've all got trials we've got battles but the battle is the Lord's and we just want to place ourselves at his feet this morning let's just sing verse 1 in the chorus and I'll invite brother Andrew but let's put ourselves in this Lord this is I'm trusting in you you're the faithful one you're the one who has watched over us this last year You've brought us through things. Some haven't been easy. Some have been actually very challenging. But we believe He'll take us through. Amen. Let's sing this again. There is a source. There is a source in time.
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I hate to have you standing and sitting and standing and sitting, but I'm going to ask you just take your seats for a moment. I just, we could turn right to the word, but I had on my heart and talked to Brother Ed just to give a little Sunday school report. Brother Branham lays out just to have, he says the Sunday school superintendent, I'll say the Sunday school coordinator, just to take a bit of time and um, to make everyone known before the preaching service how the Sunday school is doing, how many people are there, how many teachers, how many is present, how the Sunday school is doing, because not everyone is involved in it. But um, I just thought I'd do a quick report, just let you know that there's the three classes, ages 4 to 6, 7 to 10, 11 to 12. Ages 4 to 6, we have Sister Melissa, Sister Nancy have been teaching. They've been doing a wonderful job. We have an attendance there of about 73%, uh, which is wonderful, and a memory, memorization rate of about 58%. So for ages 4 to 6, to memorize about 60% of the memory verses given to them, I think that's wonderful. And ages 7 to 10, Sister Rachel Whitmire, Sister Rebecca Callahan have been doing a wonderful job there with 82% attendance rate with zero tardiness, zero lateness. And, uh, and they have a memorization rate of 80% in that class, which is wonderful. And in the, age, the older class, ages 11 to 12, Brother John, Sister Hannah Perizok, Sister Elizabeth Stewart, Brother Tito Jordan have been teaching there. They have an attendance rate of about 84%. There and they have a memorization rate of about 72%. So I've been doing wonderful. Thank you to the parents that have been helping out with the children and making sure they're there on time and making sure they're attending the, the classes and, and being attentive during the classes. God bless you. Which brings us, I know maybe you wonder, the, the total amount of verses that have been memorized from September to these statistics come up to December 17th. The total amount of verses memorized is 373 verses. And uh, that gives us a total attendance of 80%. Praise God. But we can all do better. Amen. And we've done good. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Let's stand back to our feet again. We won't sing another song. Thank you to musicians. God bless you. Let's take our Bibles and, and turn to the book of John, John chapter 3, and then we'll also turn to Galatians chapter 5. Amen. I'm always very thankful for the parents that do as Brother Branham said, don't send your kids to Sunday school bring them. And you're here, you're attentive, you're in the services. God bless you, each one. I should be looking at the back section, most of them, the young children sit in the back, and God bless you. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's turn also to Galatians chapter 5. I'll just read one verse here as well. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. I 
I want to take a title this morning of the motives of the Almighty driven by his own incentives. The motives of the Almighty driven by his own incentives. And Galatians 5 verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith worketh by love. Amen. Let's bow our heads together and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord, with all our hearts, our soul, and our mind. All that we have, Lord, we want to offer it to you. Father, as the scripture says, Lord, to give our bodies, Lord, a living sacrifice, Lord. It's but our reasonable service. Father, we're thankful, Lord Jesus, to see the Sunday school children thriving, Lord. Thankful to see the Sunday school teachers in the labors that they give for our children, Lord. And Father, we're thankful, O oh God, for a pastor, Lord, who has vision, Lord, to put, keep these things going and putting them together, Lord. And Father, we thank you, Lord, more than anything for the leadership of the Holy Ghost yeah. that leads us and guides us, Lord, into all truth, navigates us through all of our trials, Lord, the things that we come against as we sang that song. Lord, I have a source of strength. Lord, when the time gets going hard and everything seems like it's about to collapse and the darkness starts to set in, that's when you come on the scene, Lord. Father, we're so thankful we have an anchor that isn't in anything of this world, but it's beyond the veil. Lord, that we know of a surety, though all else would fail, though heavens and earth will even pass away, your word will never pass away. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for these assurances, Lord, that you will never lie. And Father, we ask now this morning, you come by our way, this last service of 2023. Father, many things on our minds going forward as we look back, Lord. But Father, I pray, Lord, may you be all in all. We commit now the speaking of the word to you, the listening of it, Lord, every hearer that would hear under the sound of my voice, both present, those that would stream, and those in the days to come. Father, may you make your word real to the hearts of the individuals. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of the word. You may have your seats. Amen. Amen. Maybe just a couple of simple scriptures to start out with this morning, and I, I really um, don't know if we're going to get through a lot of it. The title in itself is a bit of a mouthful, but I want to just take in this, these thoughts as I've been looking into a lot of motives and objectives and the motives of God, what drives God, what, what makes him do what he does and, and why he is so mindful of us. We know he's bound by his word. He's obligated to his word. He cannot lie. Amen. We know the promises are sure by two immutable things. Amen. We have an anchor within the veil. God cannot lie. We know that he, when he speaks, he's obligated to that. We can rest our souls on that. We can rest our lives on that. Amen. And we know that the Lord is everything to us. Amen. But really, in all of this, as we, as we look into it, as we read in John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's often the first memory verse you give to a child, no matter how young they are. We want them to memorize that. God loves you. God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What God did, we didn't do out of obligation. He did it out of love. He did it because he loved us, because he saw something that he desired and that he saw worth redeeming. It was worth him coming to earth. It was worth him taking on human flesh. It was worth him dying for us. It was worth the pain. It was worth the suffering, as the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he willingly endured the cross. 
Amen. And we're thankful for all of these things. And we could look back, as Brother Ed had mentioned, in the past year of the things that have gone on and what has happened in our lives, the trials, the victories that have gone on. And in all of it, we're very thankful that God has been there all through it. Amen. And somewhere, even sometimes he was in the shadows. Sometimes he, we, we brought him out of the shadows. And Lord, help us this year to keep him out of the shadows more often, to put him on the forefront, to put him in the centerpiece of our lives, to make sure he's the one that's doing our fighting for us. Amen. Those are the times we lose our battles when we decide, I got this. That's when we fall. That's when we stumble. But when we let him do the fighting, he takes care of us. Amen. But I want to just look into this now as, as we go back and we know if, if you've read the message, Christ is the mystery of God revealed, you'll be very familiar with the, with the threefold purpose of God and how he always has had a purpose down through time. God doesn't, doesn't do anything without a purpose. You say amen. He doesn't do anything without a purpose. He has a reason for what he's doing. He has a purpose in, in his moving. He has a purpose in why he speaks. He has a purpose in why he sends prophets. He has a purpose in why he has a written word. He has a purpose in why he gives you little nudges and little, uh, the still small voice in your heart to help you out in your day-to-day -day walk. He has a purpose in those things. He has a purpose in choosing the hearts of men as being uh, his dwelling place. And, but now as we look at this, he says, in Christ is the mystery of God revealed he says, what's the threefold purpose? To manifest himself in Christ and to come back into the body by Christ Jesus to have the preeminences to do what? To restore back Eden again. To bring back that which was lost. That was the only thing out of order. All the rest of the things was in order. We could read it in John chapter 14 where he said, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. Amen. And we know he's gone on to prepare a place for us. He's gone on to create us a home in heaven. He's gone on to create a place where he could receive us. He says, I'll come back and I'll, I'll bring you unto myself. Amen. And he leaves us away. He leaves us the truth. He leaves us the life. He is the way you know. Where I go, you know, and the way you know. All of these things that he begins to lay out. Why? Because he's saying, I have a purpose in what I'm doing. I have a purpose in the fact that I came and that I died for you. But it wasn't just to, to save you. There was a greater purpose beyond just salvation. There was a greater purpose beyond just even being filled with the Holy Ghost. There was a greater purpose even beyond time as we know time. There was a greater purpose purpose beyond all of the, the, the three dimensions and the fourth dimension that we have access to now that we live in. God has a greater purpose than just the things that we're able to access by our five tangible senses and even by the senses of our spirit. It's something that is accessible by faith and love. But now, as he says, there was only one thing out of order because he'd gone to prepare the rest. He'd gone to put it in order. But he says that he, the one thing that was left out was that he had to come back and have the preeminences so he could bring a bride and restore Eden. It's a revelation, he says, in the same message further down. He says, it's a revelation. Amen? All right. These aren't new things, right? We're just laying a foundation. Forgive me for getting going. Well, one service today, I'll try not to be too long. Praise God. Thank you. I'll do that. It's a revelation. It's as eternal as God's word is eternal. A revelation is as eternal as God's word is eternal. 
Amen. A revelation, because a revelation is the word of God made real to you. Amen. Therefore, it's as eternal as the word of God is eternal. Look, but the threefold purpose of God's great mystery is revealed. God manifested in Christ. Christ manifested in the church in order to redeem back what Eve lost. Back to the original creation. Now God, in Dr. Moses, but the man would say, now God, God has a plan. God's motive, God's attitude, God's love, God's salvation, everything rests in his printed word. Amen. He's not doing something that he hasn't already spoken of. But it all rests there. That he said, but in our day, it had to be revealed. Amen. The seven seals had to be taken off the book so there could the revelation of what was in the written word could come forth and we could understand what God's great motive and his attitude always has been. But it's those words are like grains or seeds that you just pick up and you swallow them. And one of them would produce just exactly what it says it'll do. But by faith, we receive them. Hallelujah. I want you to catch that for a while. It's a real simple principle that has been preached on a lot in this last month. But really, we need to catch it and make it a greater revelation that all of the seed of the Word of God, all of the Word of God has to be received by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, or it comes by receiving the word down into your heart. Amen. I was listening a few times to a song, the LaFontaine sing it, when it drops from my head to my heart. Sometimes we get it up there in our head and we start to reason with it and think it through, but we got to allow God to, uh, to, to permeate beyond just our minds and just our carnal understanding to allow it to drop down into our hearts because by faith we receive it. It's impossible to please God. Without faith. It takes that and it can only be by faith. And miracles don't happen by other miracles. Are you with me? Miracles happen because of faith. Divine healing doesn't happen because someone else got divine healing. We take the promise. We say, well, because God moved that way for that person, he can move that way for them. If you meet the same faith. That's what it's based upon. It's based upon faith. It's just proof that God can move that way. That's the proof of the miracle proves. That's the proof that the divine healing proves. That's the proof that salvation proves. When someone gets saved and they, they look like they were a horrible person, there's no way they could be saved, but God saves them. It proves he can save somebody in that lowest state, but it requires faith. It requires you to receive what God has for you already. Amen. And a motive, as we look at a, a motives, the motives and the incentives of God, a motive is, is the reason or the cause for acting. You have to be motivated to do something. You have to be motivated to get out of bed in the morning. Amen. All the teenagers went, yes, somebody motivate me. Telling one of my nephews as they were with me, I said, it's amazing because, you know, as, as I said, Dodd boys are like this, and we all were as teenagers. We could all sleep in till noon or two or three o'clock in the afternoon. But then if you're going to say, here's a job and I'll pay you, I'm up. <laughs> what time do you need me there? It was a motive. It was a reason for getting there. It was a, there was a motive to get out of bed. There was something there. It was more than that, and there was an incentive. But a motive of God or the threefold purpose has been God's motive as to what he has done. Because a motive then becomes your purpose or your reason of acting. But it was his purpose in Eden. His motive in Eden was his threefold purpose. His purpose in creating man was still the threefold purpose. God cannot think a new thought. Are you with me? 
God cannot think a new thought. He doesn't come up and say, oh, they fell. Well, now i got to come up with a new purpose. No, he always had the same threefold purpose. He always had the same thoughts of what would happen. But he created man perfect and he gave them something called a free moral agency because he was created on an equal basis there in the image of God that he said, you've got a free moral agency to choose what you desire. Amen. God's not interested in robots still today that just do what he told them to do. He's interested in somebody that will choose him by his own free will. He's interested in someone that will reject the world and that will turn to God, that will take up like Moses did and count the reproach of Christ, greater riches than that of the riches of Egypt. Amen. He's still looking for people like that today that are willing to to do that. That's always been his purpose. It was his purpose in the Old Testament when he began to draw out in types and in shadows what he was always going to do down through the seven church ages. It's been his purpose in Christ when he brought Christ out. It was a part of the threefold purpose of God. It was a part of his motive of why he was there and what he was doing in God's great symphony in his plan all the way up until these last days when he down through seven church ages was revealing himself little by little until he got to where he is today to bring about a bride that would not fall. As Brother Ram talks about, there was three brides. There was the first one that was Eve. That was Adam's bride that fell, that was deceived. There was another bride that fell when Brother Adam would talk about what were they doing up there in Nicaea, Rome? Why were they even there? Why were they, did they even go to such a place as that? But there had to come a dark ages that they would come and they would almost die right out till there was just a few little bit left. But he says, but with the restored word, it will come to a place where there'll be a little bride that will not fall. Amen. He has to bring about a bride that will not fall, that he'll be able to present to himself. This purpose and plan has never been based on the ability of men. God's never needed that. But he's needed men. He's needed vessels to work through. But it's never been based on our ability. It has been God's plan and God, God planned and God executed from the very beginning of time all the way to the end. Like a conductor with his great symphony. Hallelujah. He just needs people that can play an instrument. He doesn't need everybody. Okay, now the violinist is going to come up and conduct for a while. Now the cello player is going to come up and conduct for a while. Now the, the drum player, he's not doing anything else. Come up here and go, no, he doesn't need that. He's able. He's got them all in array. He understands they've all got a part. And he needs them to play their part. And to do it right on time with his motions of what he's doing. Because God has a plan. God has a purpose. And he's always been executing that purpose down through time. Amen. Sorry, I love technology sometimes. I'll touch it and it jumps somewhere else. All right. It's never been on the, on the ability of man. God has committed his gospel to men to preach it, but never by their ability. Not by might, but by my power. By my spirit. Not by might, nor by my power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. He's able to do it. He's the one that's always given the increase. He's the one that's given the increase. I could preach up here day after day after day, and preachers could come and come and come, but it takes God to come in behind it. It has, to, it has always been faith 
the faith of God. I mean a real substance faith that the gospel has gone forward on. When men were moved by faith. That's why Hebrews 11 would talk about the heroes of faith. Not the heroes of natural ability. Not the heroes of well-trained men. They weren't trained at all. They were shepherds that took an ox goat. They were men that were hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat that an angel came to and made him such a great leader till they came and said, we want you to be our king. It was men like that that had just had faith in the word of God that God used and they became heroes, but not heroes of, of their own ability, heroes of faith. It was God in them that made them something. Amen. Not natural ability. It wasn't even their faith. It was God's faith in the word for their day. Oh, if we could just stay on that for a while, but we'll just we'll, we'll keep going on because I'm trying to just lay some things in. But it's always been and it still is today. It's God's love for the performance of his own divine purpose that drove men of old to stand by faith. It was God's love to see his will performed, to see his purpose made manifest that drove man to stand by faith. Amen. God so loved the world. It was the love of God that drove somebody one day to have enough faith for an angel to come to her and say, thou art highly favored among women. Amen. It took that, that, that word of God, that the man of faith to be there to come, that an angel would come and say, Zechariah, you'll have a son, and you'll call his name John. And even he, by his own faith, failed. But it wasn't up to him. It was the faith of God that said, it'll be according to thy word. Yeah. Amen. And regardless of where the men themselves failed, the purpose of God always moved forward. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because faith is love's incentive. We know that the, the incentive of something is what spurs or urges somebody to act. The motive is the reason for acting, but when you put an incentive on it, it gives them a nice little fire underneath them to make them do it, to give them a reason to do, go about and then make sure they want to do the best they can. God has a motive in everything that he's doing, but he's not driven by our incentives there's nothing we could give God to incentivize God to say, choose me because I'm somebody. No, God has his own incentives. The love of God is his own incentive that because there was a love in him, a divine love, that God is love, that it drove him to do something about the fallen nature of man. See, the Brenham uses that in desperations, faith worketh by love. The only way that you could have faith is you got to have love first. The only way you can have faith in the Word of God, you've got to love the Word of God. The only way you can have faith in God, you've got to love God. The only way you can have faith in your husband or your wife, you've got to love your husband or your wife. Hallelujah. Jealousy is not love. 
You will not have a happy relationship and a trusting relationship built upon jealousy. It's got to be built upon love. Amen. Your relationship with God cannot be based upon your jealousy of your brother or your sister and spurred on by God using somebody else. And I want to be somebody. You'll never be somebody. It's got to be based in the love of God that God could give you a faith in his word and use you according to his divine purpose. Because God hates a powerless religion. It's got to be power. Certainly, it's a power to save a man from sin. It's a power that can do signs and wonders and miracles as Jesus Christ promised. But he says this, they, the heroes of old, they zeroed in on the word of God. That original book of Acts church, they zeroed in on the word of God back there and believed it and they hit the target. You zero the same way on the word of God, it'll hit the target again. How did they zero in on the word of God? They zeroed in by love. They love the word of God. They love the words of Jesus. They hung off of every word. Amen. They would go out and they would preach it again and they would preach it again and they would preach it again. Why? Because it was a love in their hearts and as freely as they received, they freely gave again. Because of a love of God and it zeroed them right in on the word. Oh, I hope we can catch that because God does not like a powerless religion. He does not want that. God wants to perform. So Brother Brown says, message part in 1963, God wants to perform. God wants to show himself alive. Amen. Our very hopes is the resurrection. Oh, praise be to God. Is that right? Our hopes of life is resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without it being real, we're of all men most miserable. But it's true. It's real. It's a reality, and God desires to perform, but he's not a performer like we want people to perform. He's not a performer for ways of entertainment, that we could just have signs and wonders, that we could just have uh, pillars of fire, and we could just have for our own entertainment. Show me that, Brother Andrew, and I'll believe it. No, you're going to miss it then. Because God's not interested in performing that. He needs a vessel to perform through to use that vessel. And he's looking for a vessel that'll stay humble enough to recognize it wasn't them. It was God all along. It was God that used the vessel. And he wants a people that will recognize it's not the vessel behind the pulpit. It's the God in the vessel. The Brenham says that Christ is the same yesterday and forever. He says, in my 20 years of research of the Bible and talking with the angel of the Lord, this is 1953, that's why it's only 20 years. But he says, 20 years of research of the Bible, talking with the angel of the Lord, and many things, I find here two things. That's pretty good to boil it all down. 20 years researching the Bible and talking with an angel. Praise God, he must have a lot. He says, I boil it down to two things. That is love and faith. If you love God, just purely unadulterated love, you've got to have faith in him. It'll accompany faith every time. And when love and faith gets married, you ask what you want to and you'll have it. 
When you know your heavenly father cannot tell you a lie. He's God. He can't lie. And then you can believe him with all of your heart. And you believe what that what you ask for. You ask it not for any selfish motive. But your motive behind there is to ask it for the glory of God. How can I do that? By love. If you love him, you'll ask it for his glory. Because you're not asking out of selfish motive. It's because of your love for him that is propelling you or giving you incentives to act, to ask. Oh, believe without a shadow of a doubt that your father wouldn't lie to you. Something's going to take place when you just get all the cocklebirds out of the way. Mm, that's our part. When you just look right straight there at Calvary and believe with all your heart. Hallelujah. So God then Let's take a step back and look at a bigger picture here. God has no beginning and has no end. So therefore, Melchizedek, the great high priest. A leaky lip. So therefore, Melchizedek, the great high priest, like a man, he had no beginning and he has no ending. And then we, therefore, that theophany, were made in the image of God before the world was ever began. He says, when that Theophilus, talking about Christ, was made, had, has been made flesh and dwelt among us, then through his death, we ourselves receive his spirit, and we have no end. Eternal life. He says, not angels, but men and women. Says, if you'll ever get in a way, he says, my audience, if you could just catch it, you'll never be an angel. God made angels. But God made men. And what God does is off of God. Hallelujah. What God does is off of God. Which is as eternal as God is. A man is just as eternal as his creator. And man is just as eternal as his creator because he was made from eternity. But sin has an end. Suffering has an end. Therefore, there cannot be an eternal hell. There's a hell. There's a fire and brimstone. We know that. But there's no eternal hell. There's only one type of eternal life, and that belongs to God. If you're to suffer forever, you've got eternal life. He would talk earlier in the quote about how forever is a space of time. This is forever and forever, a conjunction, two spaces of time. He says hell has an end. It, it may be a billion years, but it'll finally come to an end. The Bible doesn't say anywhere that they suffered eternally. He said forever and forever. Jonah thought he was in the belly of a whale forever too. Forever was a distance or a time limit. But eternal is perpetual. It has no beginning or ending. It's like a ring or a circle. It's something we have a hard time in this realm comprehending. But to understand, he throws the, 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 the type of Jonah in there. Jonah was in the belly of a whale three days. Three days working hard and driving around and doesn't, doesn't take very long to pass by. But three days stuck in the belly of a whale. That's a long time. That's a forever. So I ask you, how long is hell for? He says, it might be a billion years. But if you're suffering in the worst imaginable suffering without the presence of God, it might just be a moment, but it'll seem like 
forever. The space of time is, in other words, is irrelevant. Because and then time is no more. But he says, if, if he goes on in the same, same quote, he says, it's like a, cir- like a ring or like a circle. We know the eternity, we've, we've shown it before on, on slideshows, everyone's seen it. It's like a, it's like a, a circle of, of eternity, it goes around. And, and he says, but as our time, as our time moves on, we're only revolving around the great motives of God. As our time moves on, and things sometimes seem like they've taken forever, maybe 2023, you've looked back and gone, it took forever to go by. It was such a long year. Maybe you look back on where'd it go? It's just gone in the blink of an eye. But all of it, it, as our time moves on, we're just revolving around the great motives of God. That threefold purpose of God. His reason for what he's doing. In Hebrews chapter 7, number 2, the Bible says that in there, it talks about the seven varieties of spirit. Seven spirits of God. He says, the Bible said in the Revelation, the seven spirits before the throne of God, is that right? Seven manifold, seven spirit. We find out there are seven colors in the rainbow. Seven church ages. Oh, it just runs. Seven is complete. God is complete. The seven spirits of those spirits were perfect. The seven spirits of God were perfect. The first of that was love. The first color, love, perfect love. Redemption, the blood of Christ. And how, if we had time, we could give in those colors and show. But each one of those colors represents God's purity. Amen. Those colors, you can't take one out. No, seven. It says, in those colors, there were seven natural colors. Those colors represented the purity of God. And the colors represents the motives of God. It represents the attitude of God. See, it's God always revealing himself and showing who he is. The unveiling of God. But the remembrance service is Christ is the mystery of God revealed. The mighty God unveiled before us. All of these kinds of things. What, what, what's he doing? It's God showing, this is my motive. This is who I am. This is my attitude towards you. This is what drives me. Right. This is what pleases me. Right. This is how you draw nigh unto me. This is how you call me on the scene. This is how, oh, he's just showing himself more and more for a purpose. He says in Revelation chapter 10, a familiar scripture to us all, verse 1 says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had a little book open, and he sat on his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. And oh, this scripture, as we could read it all the way down, how it's been read over and over and over and we've delved into it again and again and again as to what it means and how it all, what it all is and what Christ is. And as Christ has come down, the mighty angel clothed the cloud, the rainbow, talking about the motives of God and the attitude of God and his august presence and all of these things. The open book, the open word on his hands and his feet as pillars of fire, set it upon the, the, the waters and upon the earth. It was the pillar of fire that was back on the people again. And oh, it was back. Your God showing himself in a wonderful way and that he would swear that lived by him that liveth forever and ever who created heavens and all the things that are there and in and the earth and things that there and are in the sea that time should be no longer but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared it to his servants the prophets now remember years ago brother Harold would take it and he would take that scripture and he'd go back into Amos chapter 3 and he would preach the lion hath roared 
And he would talk about, surely the Lord will do nothing but what he's revealed to his servants, unto, revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. The lion hath roared, who will but fear? The Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? The lion of the tribe of Judah, Christ, has spoken, who can but prophesy? But what was the motive? Why was God doing all these things in this time? Dwell on that. What is the motive of sending the pillar of fire upon the land and sea again? What's the motive upon coming back as he did and showing himself as the son of man once again? God's motive, the Bradham says, was to make men in his image. To fellowship with him. That's the very next line, actually, if we go back to the, the line before that in the same quote, where he says, as our time moves on, we're only revolving around the motives of God. And the next line is, for God's motive was to make man in his image, to fellowship with him. The whole motive of God for why he got up in the morning, if I could say it that way, was to have fellowship. And his love for us Driving him, driving him to reach down to our fallen condition. He made him a tangible being and he, now sin brought us into a place of corruption. But that never stopped the programs of God. Sinner friend, today if you're not born of the spirit of God, you have an end somewhere. Your end is chaos, suffering, misery, all those things. But to know him, but to know who you have believed on the Lord Jesus and accept him as your personal savior, it's just as eternal as God is eternal. You have no end. I give to you eternal Zoe, God's own life, and they will never perish or come into the judgment even, but has passed from death to life. That's what he was. That's what he's come for. Now Jesus in his coming in his priesthood did not just come for sympathy's sake. The love of God, divine love, is not sympathy. It's the love of God. It's the very purpose of God moving forward, incentivizing himself. Many people teach it like that, he says, but oh, maybe if I just suffer in a pitiful sight, people will come to me. No, that's an error. There's no scripture for that. That, that For every person that ever will be saved, God knew them before the world was ever formed. The Bible said so. God is not willing now that anyone should perish. He wants them all to come to repentance. But being God by foreknowledge, he knew it. His foreknowledge created such a love in him. Oh, The very foreknowledge of God that he knows each one that would receive him. He knew who would be able to take the word and receive it into his heart. And something about that would drive God even still to be here to hold back the four winds knowing maybe there's one more. Because he knew each one and he'd be willing to hold it back to 2023, 2024 to be able to recognize there's somebody else that I know will receive it. He knows when the last one will come in. He knows when the last one will be saved. He knows when the last one, he knows the time, he knows the day, he knows the very hour of the rapture of the catching away. But until then, there's a love of God that's poured out on the world for that one more lost. Oh, praise be to God. Mm. 
Brother Branham says, it's written in Acts 10, 35, God is no respect of persons, but he honoreth those in every nation who desire to serve him in righteousness. Though you be in error yet, he says, in the righteousness of the projective of your heart that you desire to serve God, God will honor that. Well, I want you to think on that statement for a moment. Though maybe your life hasn't lined up with it yet, you're in error yet. But if the righteousness, if you're the projective of your heart, is a righteous desire to serve God, God will honor that. Hallelujah. You can't stop God at any certain creed because God will look upon the motives of the human heart. And there he will work from that spot. God will look on the motives of your heart and he will start on that part. God desires to be clothed with a human heart. Oh, hallelujah. I want to take a bit of a sidetrack. Maybe not a sidetrack. This is just right in line, actually. In the God's wrapped gift, he says, the only thing that Christ will ever be wrapped in, that's your heart. Not your creed. Your creed is your mental faith. Your thoughts. What you think about God. God's not interested in being wrapped up in that. He wants your heart. Not your creed. He wants your heart. He's got a control tower there that he likes to work with you. Don't you like that? He likes to work with you. Say, nobody likes me, Brother Andrew. God likes to work with you. So forget about the rest of them. They don't want to work with you. That's fine. God wants to work with me. Praise be to God. He wants to bring you to eternal life. He just won't accept, and you can't wrap him in creeds. You can't then. You can't now. You never will be able to do it. So you could, they could not receive it because they thought more of their creeds than they did of their gift. Oh my, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all down, different denominations have rejected Christ. Till now in this day, Christ is on the outside of the church, knocking on the hard doors of the individuals, trying to get back in. Why? They wanted their creed more than the gift. Think about this, because this goes on, it gets even more powerful. It says, they can't accept divine healing or the baptism of the Holy Ghost and such great evangelical doctrines of the Bible, apostolic truth. Why? Because their creed condemns it. Oh, how foolish to take the paper, the package that it's wrapped in, and throw the gift away. How many of y'all did this this Christmas? Raise up your hands. You got your Christmas presents, and you took the wrapping paper and went, thank you. Throw the rest away. Look at this beautiful paper. It's got trees on it. It's got some penguins, maybe. It's got some Santa Claus on it. How oh, it's so pretty. I don't want what's inside of it. I, I like this. I've been looking at it for a month, sitting under the tree. It's so beautiful under there. I just want that. Now you're all wondering, Brother Andrew has a tree. Brother Branham said it'd be okay to get one for the kitties, and I won't tell you if I do or don't. There you go. You can think on that all the time. <laughs> he says, that's the way it is today. Oh, how foolish to take the paper of package that's wrapped in and throw the gift away. Brother Branham uses these words. This is a quote. I could have put it up on the screen. Like the moron, he took the box and accepted it and threw the gift away. Brother Branham used some pretty strong language there. Not a very nice guy. Not the smart guy. No, the M-O-R-O-N. That took the box and threw the gift away. 
They forgot the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He is rejected as much today as he was then. God's gift package today is wrapped in the form today. The gift is the Holy Ghost. But it's wrapped up then back in Jesus' day. It was wrapped up in the Son of God. But today God's gift, gift package has just taken up and rewrapped again and sent back. It's wrapped up in sons of God. Today called the church. That's right. God's gift package wrapped to the people. What's he saying? The same spirit that was in Christ. That was wrapped up in the Son of God. He was the wrapping paper that everyone threw away and threw the gift away, threw it all away. But today, the same gift that was in him is put back in the believer, sons and daughters of God, and we are the wrapping paper. It's like, let me just tell you a little story. We had a little, we were over at Blue Dwayne, Sister Angie's family Christmas. We had a little game, a little white elephant game. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. I don't know why they call it that either. But, but they, the little game, you have little $5 gifts, and everyone puts in a gift, and nobody knows what it all is, and you pick a gift, and you get your number, and when you unwrap it, you can steal someone else's, you can take yours, you can take a new one. But I find it amazing, the last gift that was left over was this little package, and it looked like it was kind of wrapped by a two-year-old. It was kind of just crumpled and mangled and taped every which direction. The wrapping didn't look very good. So it was the last gift left. Nobody seemed to want it. Finally, it was taken. And as, as the person unwrapped it, everyone went, Because the gift that was inside was probably the gift, best gift that was there. But because the wrapping was no good, nobody wanted it. But what was on the inside was the best out of everything else. And then everyone wanted, well, maybe I can steal again because I want that gift now. Why, did they, why, did, why you didn't like the wrapping paper? So because of the wrapping paper, everyone was willing to throw it away. Quite often, that's how we look at how other people live. Or how other ministers preach. Why is that deacon that way? Why is that brother that way? I don't like the way she does that. I don't like the way he does that. I don't like the way so-and-so. They got this problem. I got this problem. I got this problem. What are we upset about? The wrapping paper. We don't like the wrapping paper. But what about what's wrapped in it? That's right. Amen. Sometimes we get so upset. Because I know what's in my wrapping paper, but I don't see it in theirs. Well, yeah, that's the point of wrapping paper. Because you don't know what's going on in their heart. You don't know the struggles that's going on in their mind. And thank God you don't. But they're bad see a lot of things. He says there's a lot of responsibility that goes with this gift. You don't want to see all the things that I see. You don't want to see the spirits that I see. You don't want to see the dark shadows, the things, the, the lights, the whatnot going on. You don't want to see those things. They're driving you to be a neurotic. Drove him to certain places. All of these things. Are, why? Because it's the wrapping paper. As we've talked about before, it's the badger skins. It's just because we don't like the wrapping paper. But the best any one of us has to present to God is what we wrap them in. That's the best we have to give God. Just something that comes on a roll. Wrap up the present. Just the wrapping paper. That's the best we have. 
Everything that's of value of that whole nice-looking box is on the inside. We're upset nowadays. A roll of, do- a roll of wrapping paper costs $1.50 now. A dollar. I think I found it for a dollar. I was like, all right, I got wrapping paper for a dollar. Well, I didn't wrap things worth less than a dollar in it. I used five sets of wrapping paper for an expensive gift. But it's what it's worth. See, the best that Mary and Joseph could wrap Jesus in was swaddling cloth. It's the best they had, but it was what was in the swaddling cloth. God was happy with swaddling cloth because he didn't view that as an important thing. The Bible would say in Psalms chapter 34, verse 17, he says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Say, Brother Andrew, all I got to offer God is a broken heart. He'll take it. The wrapping isn't what's important. What's important is the fact that what's on the inside. Amen. Psalms 51 verse 7 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. Amen. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Who's building it? Jesus Christ. Not me. It's not what I have to offer. It's what he has to offer me. Amen. We desire God not just to be in our hearts, but we desire him to fill out the wrapping paper. Oh, hallelujah. I think last time I spoke, I spoke on spiritual gastronomics right at the end. We desire God to fill out the wrapping paper, not just be a crumpled up mess. And I'm sure there's something in there. No, I want God to stretch it to its limits, to put it to a place where pretty soon it begins to expand outside of the wrapping paper until people can see what's inside the wrapping paper because it cannot contain the whole. Oh, praise be to God. Trust me, your wrapping paper will be filled with something. Elvis Presley raised it a Pentecostal church, but he didn't fill it with God. Filled it with the devil, led millions to hell. St. Augustine had an opportunity to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, but he turned it down and instead Satan filled his wrapping paper and he condemned many to die. Why? Your heart will be filled with something. We want God. We can't just stay there and say, well, praise God, we got the gift. It's in my wrapping paper. It's in there somewhere. I know it is. We desire it to come to maturity. Maturing of the gift. We want the gift of God to fill out the wrinkles and expand beyond the wrapping paper. Wouldn't you like that? So you don't have to guess what's in your present. So it's so big, mom and dad run out of wrapping paper. We used all the wrapping paper in the house, but your gift is so big, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't cover it all. Well, I know exactly what it is. It's amazing. Thank you so much. I got a new car. I didn't have enough wrapping paper to wrap it. I'm sorry. That's a big gift. That's worth a huge value. My goodness, praise God. Somebody got a car for Christmas. I don't know if anyone got a car for Christmas. Wonderful if you did. God bless you. But wouldn't you want that in your life? God so filled me, so full, till I can't contain the whole. Think of children at Christmas time for a minute. Sorry to keep going back to this. I'm just driving this home. They all want the biggest gift. Doesn't matter how many gifts you put under the tree. Once again, I don't know if I have them. They put all that under all those gifts under the tree. You got all of them all month long. They're looking at the biggest one. I want that one. 
surely that's for me. And then you finally get the big gift and you give it to the one. The other ones go, oh, I didn't get that one. They don't even know what's in it. They're just looking at the wrapping paper. They don't have a clue what's in the wrapping paper. It could be just a big pile of rocks or a large lump of coal or something like that. Or it could be a really nice Nerf gun, a great big one, machine gun, you know. I got everyone's mind thinking back to a week. Oh, Brother Andrew, we've had such a fun week. All the Christmas gifts we got. Then he turned out, as children, they become disappointed. And they're always asking. There's a big pile of gifts there, and they're like, do I get one? And then they get one, they go on and they wrap it. Okay, do I get another one? Everyone else is opening it. They don't even care. Just, which one's mine? I want mine. Where's my gift? I want my gift. But you watch the mature adults. They might not even get nothing. They don't care. They're watching the kids open the gift, and they're so happy. Someone else is getting used. Someone else is getting used. The same way, the wrapping of God's gift. When you get matured in that gift, you become happy when someone else is receiving something. Some, God's using somebody else's gift. God's using somebody else behind it. God's using someone else to sing a special, and the people are into it, and the Spirit of God is flowing, and the musicians are just playing, and they, oh, it's a beautiful time, and you're just rejoicing in the Spirit. But I didn't do anything to create this other than just thank God. And I'm just so happy to be a part of it. I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to watch my little son open a present, my daughter open a present. I'm happy to watch my brothers get up and my sisters get up and sing and worship and testify. And God used them to save this one. And God used them to testify to that one and save that one. Glory be to God. It doesn't matter who the vessel God uses. It's God to begin with. It's God to end with. Amen. He's got vessels of honor. He's got vessels of dishonor. He's got vessels of gold and earth and silver. He's able to use them for what he desires to use them for. I'm just happy to be a part of the symphony. Whether I'm the first violinist, whether I'm the triangle player. Or I see a little bit the other day, a guy pulled up two big boards and he's just sitting there waiting for his time. And then the conductor turned to him. Big explosion. But you know what the best part about that whole part in the symphony was? It didn't happen over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. That would have got old really quick. The guy just sitting there with the board, boom, 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 boom. What's your problem, dude? Stop, I'm getting a headache. He had one part, and he was happy with that one part. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get an explosion. Someone jump up and get glorified. God, speak in tongues and prophesy. And then we're all looking. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Why? Praise God he did it. Praise God it hit the point. It just emphasized the right point. God spoke right at the right time. Glory be to God. Oh my. What we need is love. Message love. Let's get back into the message. Took a bit of a detour there. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now when love is projected and it comes to an end, then sovereign grace produces what love projected. When God so loved the world that his love was at an end of its going, and then the love projected sovereign grace and gave us a savior. That's how we got Jesus. But I thought it was Mary and an angel, and a manger, and a taxation, and a, no, it was God's love that brought sovereign grace on the scene, and that gave us Jesus. 
See, we're so stuck and bound to our three-dimensional world that we just look at how is God going to do it? How is he going to bring about the resurrection? How is the rapture going to happen? What am I going to do with my family that doesn't believe? Are they going to, how is this all going to come together? When are they going to come and when's this one? When God's love is projected, it brings, and it comes to an end, then sovereign grace comes on the scene. When divine love is projected, then sovereign grace moves on the scene and brings to pass the projection of divine love. It is divine love for your family that will bring sovereign grace on the scene to produce what they need to be saved. Often, our filial love gets in the way of what divine love has been projecting. But sovereign grace is not what we can do. I am not in control of sovereign grace. It's what he can do. Brother Branham uses this story often to to illustrate divine love, the story of the Mexican woman with the dead baby that died the night before. She come and she was just running up and through and up and through. And we could look at that, and it's it's such a, a a fine line almost between the filial love of a mother and when divine love stepped in. Because we look at the filial love of a mother, her love had come to an end, bringing the baby to a doctor, getting all of the help she could for him. But divine love didn't bring the baby to the grave. Divine love brought the problem to God. Divine love will always do that. When real, genuine love, Brother Brown says, for her baby projected the sovereign grace of the Almighty God. He uses it in the possum story too, a mother that came. Why didn't the mother just go down to the river and just end it? Little possum that just had been bitten and been chewed up, had little babies, and why in the world? But God was leading her. It was divine love of God that led a little possum up the driveway, right up to a place where she just lay down by the prophet. Why? It brought her to the word for her day. They recognized their filial love was no good in the salvation of their babies, of their families. But divine love brought them to God. It will do the same for you. When you and I can recognize that our filial love will never save our children. It'll never save our friends or anyone else. It might make them feel good. It might make them feel welcome. Thank God for that. But it'll never save them. Divine love will bring them to God and stay there. Well, sovereign grace brings to pass the projection of divine love. How do I know it's divine love or filial love? Divine love will never compromise on the word of God. God is divine love. He will not compromise on his own word. Filial love will bend the word to fit your feelings. Divine love will not compromise on the word. See, Brother Branham says, and what shall I do with this Jesus called Christ? He says, now people, he says, you see, it's your faith. It's never your feelings. It's nothing. 
whether, whether it's so, if my hand isn't straight or whatever, that doesn't have one thing to do with it. It's my faith that does it. Right now, right before us, we see the image of a perfect healed person by faith. The proper use of imagination. Putting a perfect image of yourself being healed. Putting the image of your family being saved. Putting the image of your loved ones being saved before God. By faith. And then when we just make step by step till we step right into that person. And we just walk right on with it. There you are. That's what does it. Your faith, not your feelings. Your faith does it. So then where does love come in? Faith is love's incentive. In the righteousness of the projective of your heart that you desire to serve God, if the projective of your heart is right before God, is righteousness, God will honor that. Divine love is moved by the projection of your faith. And we know when divine love comes to an end, then that moves sovereign grace of God on the scene to bring to pass the projection of divine love. See, when faith and love becomes married for a situation, that's what I'm talking about. When faith and love becomes married for a situation, it will not be according to your feelings. Faith will project the word of God for a situation and sovereign grace will bring your circumstances in line with the word. It won't matter then what the wrapping looks like. Divine love is God moving according to his own motives. His own faith working in you to fulfill his own purpose according to the good pleasure of his own will. God by love will do the work. That is the projection of grace to us. Oh, praise God. Can we make this just a little bit more clear? Brother Brennan would talk about three showdowns. It's actually from Pick Up Your Pen and Write. Talks about three showdowns. The first showdown being Mount Carmel. Elijah that brought them up. What was the showdown? It was to prove that God is God. He's between God and Baal, the sun god, the one that was supposed to be the king of the gods. Lifted up and they thought this was the God. So, all right, let's have a showdown. Let's prove who's God. It was to prove that Jehovah is God. In God's own love, he brought, it was God's own love that brought the showdown. It wasn't spite that brought a showdown on Carmel. It wasn't God just trying to prove that he was powerful. No, it was God's love to the people. It was God's love for salvation. It was God's love to see his name be glorified that brought it to a showdown and his grace went to showing once again who he was. It was the love of God for Israel that brought the people to Mount Carmel and his sovereign grace showed himself alive and real. Not one, that, not, not one of them deserved it. You with me? Not one of them people. They wouldn't even, 
answer Elijah when Elijah answered, told them, let that the God that's God be, be answered by fire. And they kind of were quiet. And finally they said, all right, it's good. And after he explained it better, and then they said, it's good, well, we'll do it. And then he gave them the, 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 the bullock and they went up there and they cut themselves, they danced, they did all kinds of things, they threw themselves on the altar. Elijah was so sure that it was the love of God being projected. He was so sure of the will of God, he began to make a mockery out of them. Hallelujah. The wrapping paper didn't look so good. A hairy man with a loincloth mocking 400 well-dressed prophets of Baal. The wrapping paper was maybe a bit of a stumbling block to some people. But it wasn't about that. It was divine love being projected. God was about to show, I am God. I am the Lord your God. There was another uh, showdown called Mount Transfiguration. That showdown, the showdown that Jesus is God. It was a showdown again, and it was the, the love of God to the world that brought three earthly witnesses, two heavenly witnesses, to a Mount Transfiguration. And the grace of God showed that Jesus and God are one. The sacrifice is worthy. The son has been accepted. This is what it's all about. This is the showdown that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He is worthy. That was the, the, the showdown of that one. Once again, Peter, James, and John, they didn't deserve to be there. They even got the devil was there too. He showed up and started putting in Peter's mind, you ought to make three tabernacles. One for Elijah, one for Moses, one for Jesus. This is the great trinity. And Peter is dumb enough to start saying it. Oh, I think this is a great idea. I got a wonderful revelation. But God, when they finally opened up their eyes and realized it was him standing there alone. It was Jesus Christ all along. He was the one that was worthy. Amen. And it was good enough for Peter to recognize it'll never be Peter by his own strength. It had to be God in Peter before Peter could ever walk around. Peter wasn't walking around saying silver and gold have I none until after the day of Pentecost when it was Jesus living in him and then he could walk Walk around and say, I don't got no silver or gold, but such as I have. I got something in the wrapping paper now. And I can give it out to you. Oh my, why? Because there's been a showdown in proving that Jesus Christ is God. But now, as the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, but you are come unto Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and an innumerable company of angels, and to the general assembly of the firstborn. Oh, what a wonderful thing to come to. And all of these things going on. But what was it? It's a showdown again. The first showdown was Mount, Mount Carmel, showing that Jehovah is God. The second one was there in Mount Transfiguration. Jesus is God. And now the third one at Mount Zion, showing and proving to the devil that she is him. Oh, that got real quiet. It was God showing the Godhead all along. Showing who he is, unveiling himself. Doing it in a showdown. The first one was an earthly showdown. The second one was there, a heavenly showdown. But this one, it not only shaked the earth only, but it shakes the heavens also. It's a showdown between God and the devil that I will have a bride. Hallelujah. It's the showdown, Brother Benham says, the showdown of the rapture. It's the love of God again this time for his bride that brings us to another mountain showdown. Will this message produce the rapture that it spoke of? This is the showdown. This time you're the subject of the sovereign grace of God. 
You're the subject of the sovereign grace of God. Oh my, not one of us is worthy, but by the token of the life of the blood on the believer, we are all made worthy. God putting the final vindication of his prophet's message to the test by a sudden body change. Proving that the wrapping was not important. It wasn't important on Mount Carmel. Are you with me? It wasn't important when a hairy man with a loincloth made mockery. It wasn't about the wrapping. It was about what was in the wrapping. It wasn't about the wrapping on Mount Transfiguration when he went up there and they said there's no beauty in him that we should desire him. It wasn't about the wrapping. He had to change him in the moment and show him in his glorified state. It was showing what was inside of that earthly wrapping. So is it in this last showdown. The wrapping is not what's important. It's come to the the, the downcast and the outcast of the world. The highways and the byways and the hedges and the ditches. And those of the world that said, you're not worth anything. But God says, it's worth everything to me. Because that's my bride. And I'm showing the devil once again that my word will produce. And it is producing a perfect, spotless, virtuous word, seed, bride. It doesn't have one thing to do with our love. It's the love of God projected to individuals. Creating a fellowship by sovereign grace. Oh, the motives of God. His love for his own attributes. Still moving him today to bring a bride for himself to maturity. The threefold purpose of God, like the seven mysteries of the last seven seals, the mysteries of them, the seals of Dunbin broke, every age come down, and there they had left a lot of scattering in God, not willing that it would be scattered. He comes back and picks up those things. Those doctrines they started and brought it on out to reveal the whole thing. Same thing he's doing now is revealing the mystery of Christ. Hallelujah. Brother Stephen was here a while ago, preached on the mystery of you. The mystery of the bride. How he is God's threefold purpose for the church. Oh my Letting, this is Billy Brown's words, letting him out. Let me say it this way. Let him out of your box today. Let him out of your wrapping this year. Let the love of God be so expressed through you. Keep your one motive, your heart centered on Christ. Let him out of the box once in a while. Can we do that this year? Amen. I want Christ to be revealed through me. Let's stand to our feet as musicians come. The love of God projected down to us moves sovereign grace on the scene for our circumstances, for our lives. For all that we have need of. He's still Jehovah Jireh. He's more than able.
Let your word be born in the manger of my heart. Actually, let's sing that. If that isn't love, if he left his splendor in heaven, I like that. G. He left his splendor of heaven. approaching the new year just to 
pray over us, pray for us. But I wonder this morning if you wouldn't first want to just make a confession to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I need you in my wrapping paper. I need more. I need it to burst through, Lord. I want, I want to be able to show you to somebody else. I want them to see Jesus in me. Not just that they'd see Jesus, but Lord, help me to be Jesus to somebody. You just hold that before the Lord as we go into this next new year coming up here, 2024. Lord, help us to be Jesus in this city. Brother Ed, I'm going to get you to come and just pray with us. Just bow our heads here. Heavenly Father, as we come to this last service of the year and we reflect and we look and we hear what you're saying and what you're speaking to us, Lord, we, we recognize that there's a heart of God, there's a desire, there's a, a heavenly Father, Lord, and who has hidden himself in the Bible. But Lord, it's with great love that you've drawn us. Lord, it, it, it was because of your love, you so loved the world. Lord, it was because of love that faith could be expressed. And Lord, it was, these are attributes of yourself, but also attributes of your children. And Lord, as we heard today, Lord, as we'd probably never, will look at a present as a wrapping the same way. Lord, I'm reminded in the scripture where you said it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the honor of kings to search it out. Lord, we wanna to come to you and we don't wanna stop at the wrapping paper, become enamored with it or despise it, but we wanna go beneath that, Lord. We wanna go a little deeper this year. And we're asking you, Lord, that you'd give us grace as we move into the year, O oh Lord. And Lord, that you'd give us grace to be able to see you, to see your nature, to see your expression in the Bible, Lord. Not just the history, not just the acts, but Lord, the God that performed these things. And then, Lord, not only to see you in the Bible, but to see you in your people, to see you in one another, Lord. We differ in our outward parts we differ oh lord in our mannerisms in our actions and lord if we just dwell on those surely there'll be differences all the time but lord if we can look beyond it and we can see the christ that is beyond lord if we can recognize even what is hidden to the natural eye i pray you'd give us grace father oh jesus we want to see more of you we want to see you, O oh Lord, in our brother and in our sister, O oh Lord. Father, we don't want to just stop at the natural, but Lord, we want to go a little deeper than we have in the past. Father, we thank you once again today that your word is eternal, that you're beyond searching out. Lord, that you, O oh Father, are the one that is unveiling and revealing yourself to us. Father, we desire to see more of you. For every hand that was raised, Lord, and Father, as we're looking ahead into this year, Father, we all 
carry burdens. We all have desires. And Lord, we realize that it's only in you that they are realized. I pray your blessing on every home, Lord. Father, there are homes that have great needs, and I'm asking you, Lord, would you give grace to every situation? Lord, for those that are in sickness or in, in, in any kind of a situation, Lord, I pray that you would give grace for them, Lord. Oh, Jesus, you're the one that is the answer to everything. You're the answer to the devil's question. Where there's confusion, where there's direction, Lord, we're asking you, Lord, would you be the dissolver of doubts? Would you be the guide? Would you be the one that leads us? Father, we're desiring the leadership of the Holy Ghost. We're asking, O oh Lord, that we could see the way you would have for us. We want our hearts to be in tune. We want our motives. We want our objectives, O oh Lord, to be aligned with yours, Lord. Not our will, but your will be done, Father. Oh, give us grace to yield our vessels, Lord. Not just to have our own way. Not just to have our own thoughts, but Lord, to humble ourselves, to be real sheep, O oh Lord. To allow us, O oh God, to allow you oh Lord to express yourself through us oh that would be the greatest honor that we could have oh grant it Lord we pray and as we are just here coming to this close and we'll be gathering again tonight Father I pray that you just place in our hearts oh, oh God that which you would desire allow us to be open Lord to ask oh Lord what you would have for us I pray, Father, you direct and lead this church, every home, every family, every young person, every child. Lord, we commit them all to you. Thank you one more time to be able to sit at your feet. Pray your blessing would be upon us now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Can we sing that chorus, Just Beyond the Veil, Just Beyond the Veil? Just beyond the veil, I want you see your face, just to see.